welcome to Let's Be Zeal, a podcast show that will bust the fitness myths and call out the bullshit within the health industry. I am Matt and I've spent the majority of my career helping people become the best version of themselves. Hello and welcome to Let's Be Zeal, episode 3, Thick Thighs Save Lives, a podcast show that will address the 21st century bullshit that we as modern day consumers eat on an hourly basis. In this episode, I will explain my views on fat and why fat is just fat and should be nothing more than just fat. We all have it, it's normal, we all need it. Some people have more than others, some people have less than others, but ultimately, it's natural, it's normal. Together, let's change our mindset on fat. In today's episode, I will share my perspective and hopefully help someone who may struggle with the concept of fat. So let's dive into today's episode and start off with some facts. I'm going to give you the basic definitions and by basic, I mean very basic. I am in no means a doctor. I have a very basic knowledge of human biology through my undergraduate degree, my professional career and personal reading. If you do need medical knowledge with no marketing bullshit, seek advice from your GP. Not an Instagram influencer who sells coffee shakes that makes you shit like a dying dog. Now I've got that out of my system. Essentially there are a few different forms of human fat. And we're not talking about fats that we find in foods as I will save that for another episode. First, let's discuss adipose tissue or subcutaneous adipose tissue. And this is the fat that lies underneath our skin, the jiggly bits, the love handles. Imagine this type of fat being a biological coat that keeps us warm in the winter and creates human shape when we're naked. We all have this type of fat, but like I said, we all have different amounts and as always, we all need it. If a human was to have no subcutaneous adipose tissue, they would bruise like a flipping peach. With that being said, they'd actually have zero energy to even move. And with that being said, they'd actually already be dead. This is how much we need fat in our life and in our body. Now, with a dash of common sense sauce, I'm not saying go and eat pizza, drink 10 pints and binge watch Netflix all weekend. Although that does sound amazing. Please invite me next time. Obviously, too much fat can and will cause fatal diseases. This episode today will hopefully shed some light and explain why we should be proud of our own bodies. Why people-to-people comparison is absurd. And I'll chuck in some tips and tricks that you can help your mindset change when it comes to personal image, self-confidence and overall health knowledge. Next to the stage, we have visceral fat or visceral adipose tissue. Now imagine this being soft, bouncy, warm cushion for your vital organs. 
Our organs don't just hang on a bit of human string like a piñata. They lay peacefully in a bed of visceral adipose fat. So again, a common theme with this fat malarkey, we all have it, we all need it. The brain, the almighty brain, is around 60% fat and it's the fattest organ in our body. If you are, however, involved with multi-level marketing selling supplements, then your brain is probably 60% air, but that's not my problem. Moving on then to bone marrow. So when people say, I'm just thick boned, I guess they're sort of correct. Bone marrow fat makes up around 70% of the marrow volume. And the marrow in our bones is essential for things like producing blood cells. Then cholesterol, which was a hot topic a few years ago. But basically, cholesterol has three main jobs. It forms part of the outer layer in every cell in your human body. Without getting too scientific, that is obviously very important. Cholesterol also helps with the production of vitamin D, a great vitamin to strengthen our teeth and bones. And cholesterol is also used to make stomach bile, which is the acidic, gloopy-like substance that you throw up after an empty stomach and too many tequila shots. So now let's discuss the term standardization, which I did refer in the last episode. But when talking about body fat percentage, apparently in today's day and age, we also have a standardization for the average person's body fat. As if it couldn't get any worse. We're now making people consider their body fat percentage and comparing it to average or normal levels, whatever that means. In the last episode, I explained why standardizations are wrong. They're too easy and it's exactly the same here. We are too diverse to work off standardizations, but I guess they're made because it is easy to put a number next to something and expect people to work towards it with no real pathway. If they fall outside the expected group, they may be deemed abnormal, which is absolutely and utterly wrong. So now I've stopped ranting, let's get back to it. If you don't fall within the averages, please do not worry. We need to change our mindsets with the personal ambitions and goals. And this is where I think we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. Or at least to the wrong people. I spoke about human diversity in my last episode and I will refer to it again in this episode because it is so vital for personal development. We need to understand that we are all different. Person-to-person comparison is just absurd, but it is natural. Studies show that around 10% of our daily thoughts is some form of comparison. And I guess, why wouldn't it be? It would make sense to compare something new to something we know in order to get an inkling of the outcome. But that's where human comparison doesn't necessarily work. It's almost like don't judge a book by its cover. There are seven and a half billion people on this planet. And that means there are seven and a half billion different people. Not one of them are the same. From a quick Google, apparently we meet on average around 80,000 people in our lifetime. All I'm trying to do is put some perspective on how many people there are on this planet. And I think it's important to understand you are important. You know when people say the only person you should compare yourself to is you. 
Well, I think it's somewhat true, but also wrong for a number of reasons. And I'll explain fully why in a short while. First, we need to consider that when we're comparing something, we usually do it to find out which one is better. So, for example, when we're buying insurance, we have websites that compare the insurances, they analyse the monthly costs, excess amounts, benefits, drawbacks, customer reviews. We compare insurances because we want the best for us. But the best insurance for me might not be the best insurance for you. So why do we compare ourselves to others? Is it to analyse our authority to see who is better? But then what category are we comparing? Good looks, hair length, financial income, charitable tendencies. Why do we tend to compare ourselves to people who are famous or people we have never met? What even defines the better human when being compared? We're not Pokemon or match attacks. We don't have stats on a card and people don't collect us. Unfortunately, for some, it's ingrained in our culture. Celebrities, influencers, sports people and us mere mortals are comparing ourselves to them. Maybe for some personal gratification or to fit in or to find some security in society. As he has big biceps, so I should, otherwise girls aren't going to like me. Or she has just had a nose job, so I need one because she's stunning and I'm not. I don't think anyone listening to this podcast now can say 100% they have never compared themselves to someone. Unfortunately, we all do it, and here is why. In 1954, cast your minds back to the great Leon Festinger, a psychologist who identified social comparison theory and explained that there are positives and negatives to these comparisons. This is why I think that the phrase compare yourself to only you is kind of bullshit. Festinger found a lot of significant positives when making comparisons. Firstly, when done correctly, we can compare ourselves to others for personal development. I compare myself to a handful of individuals who I admire their work, or I admire their philosophy, or because they've got a really cool job I see myself doing in the future. So I'm making these comparisons for my own motivation. If I was to put this theory and transfer it across to my professional career, I have worked for a professional football club and a private gym training the general public. In both settings, I have seen positive social comparison. Footballers in the youth team would compare themselves to the first team players and the first team players would compare themselves to their teammates or their captain. Now, they wouldn't compare themselves with regards to, I need to play like him, as this isn't what sport's about. But they would compare their work ethics, they would compare professionalism and overall in the right environment this would promote healthy competition and therefore increased motivation. In the private gym with the general public I also saw social comparisons with very similar contexts. Any form of session that I coached it was good to see individuals being motivated by others. If person A was to pick up a pair of heavy dumbbells, then person B next to them may feel more obliged to do the same. This is what Festinger is trying to refer to. He also explains that social comparisons 
can be negative, and I think this side can be very dangerous. The research suggests that sometimes when comparisons are made, the individuals who we deem are at top of the game are the ones that we use. If we are comparing our cooking skills, we tend to compare our skills to the best chef we know. When we are comparing our fitness, we compare it to the fittest person we know. Essentially, we're, we're setting ourselves up to fail. And because social comparison is natural and will always happen, because social comparison can be positive, we need to change our mindset when making these comparisons. We need to compare ourselves to the right people for the right things. I should never compare myself to Dwayne The Rock Johnson with regards to my muscle mass because I know my goals aren't to be that hench. I know Mr Johnson has a very strict regime that requires no biscuits and no weekend beers. But I should compare myself to Mr Johnson when regarding his work ethics. He is very successful and obviously works very hard with everything he puts his mind to. So I hope this little snippet can widen your perspective when making social comparisons. I will refer back to this later on in the episode. So just a little additional note, if you want a little five minute video on social comparisons, please go ahead and watch Matthew McConaughey's Oscar winning speech. He gives a great perspective on social comparisons. It's five minutes. It's on YouTube. It's a really interesting video to go and watch. So please do. So we are here to discuss fats and fats are also a source of energy. There are micronutrients and macronutrients. Macronutrients are carbohydrates, proteins and fats, very commonly spoken about in the health and fitness industry. And it's because they essentially give us calories, which our body turns into energy. So if fat is an energy source, then why are fats deemed to be so bad? If calories are converted into energy, then why do we see people taking pictures of how many calories they've burnt at the end of a workout. We should train to get healthier, fitter, stronger. We should not care about calories burnt within a workout. And by care, I mean we shouldn't let this be the sole purpose as to why we work out. We should never walk into a gym and think today's session is to burn 300 calories. Can't wait as you may as well just not eat your midday snack and that's job done without even breaking a sweat in the gym. Personally, I hate workouts that rely on calorie counting as ultimately the goals of a workout should be to develop and progress physiologically and it's pretty hard to solely train your metabolism. We're not on this planet to be calorie burning machines. We are here to become the best version of ourselves. Moving on to the last section of this podcast and before doing so I would just like to thank all of the listeners so far that are still here with me. I really do appreciate every single one of you and like I said if I can help at least one person I've done my job. The next section is a topic that I get asked about quite frequently and it's something I think health professionals need to address more often. We as humans are really clever. I mean, we can fly to the moon, we can treat illnesses, we can use tools to fix a problem. 
but we cannot in no means decide where our body fat goes or disappears. If anyone tells you that they have a stomach flattening program, then call bullshit on them. If anyone is selling a booty guide, then maybe ask yourself why the hell do you just want to train your booty? If anyone sells you a supplement that's scientifically proven to help you lose stomach fat, then you should run a mile because they're probably part of a multi-level marketing cult who are finding loopholes to escape the criminal justice system. They don't care about your health, they care about your sort code and account number. Before we move on, I just need to remind everyone that this is my opinion and people of course have the right to agree or disagree. Finally, social media, the big topic we are all interested in. In a world where we are connected to all four corners of the earth, and no, I don't think the world is flat, but in a world where I can send an email to Australia in a matter of seconds, we can also be so disconnected and become isolated. Social media can be a great place. Networking, family, friends, business opportunities... We all use social media to share our life in pictures, to share our professional CV, or to keep in touch with family that are expats in another country. It can also be a place where people receive hateful messages or share hateful messages. People can break the law through social media accounts, and I think personally the health and fitness industry is somewhat booming via the social media platforms. Like I said in my last episode, I know so many great personal trainers. I know so many medical doctors who share their holistic approaches to life. I know so many fantastic gyms who facilitate true promotion of health and fitness. But social media is hard to control. The products sold, the information presented. It's hard to control and the word influence doesn't always mean good things. People can share information that is not necessarily true. People can sell products that do not necessarily work. And people can portray a life that is not real. We need to take social media with that dash of common sense source, which I have previously mentioned. It can be a great place when used in the right way. It can be a very dark place when misunderstood. So, why do thick thighs save lives? Well, straight away, the word thick is subjective. What I consider to be thick may not be what you consider to be thick. So, appreciate yourself. Appreciate your subjectiveness. Learn to love yourself. And when you find yourself being compared to others, take a minute. Analyse who you are comparing, what you are comparing for and reevaluate the comparison. If it deems viable, do it. Feed the fire to your burning motivation. If not, let them be. They're not worth your stress. Change your mindset on comparisons. Do them to help yourself in the future. Change your mindset on fat. We all have it. We all need it. And train in the gym to progress physiologically. Don't become obsessed with calorie counting in your workouts. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Remember, if you feel like you want to, please leave a review, share this to your social media accounts and email me with any questions at mattgwilt at icloud.com. 
Together, let's be zeal. I'll catch you in the next episode.